Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I am Justin, and as usual, I am joined by... Recently caffeinated Beth. Preservation Sam. Aya Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Okay. Yeah, we are, uh, we're rattling <laughs> off the... <laughs> We're rattling off the recordings here. We've we've had a, a couple in a few days to get through uh, part one of Hero of Ages. We're finishing up the part today, and uh, I'm uh, I'm glad we've got these first few under our belt, and I'm looking forward to continuing on. Sallying forth. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that we've we've completed part one of the book. It's a good like hundred and what thirty hundred forty pages. And we're still very much in setup land for oh, yeah. where we're going to keep going forward, too. Yeah, we're, we're done with part one of the book, and we haven't even seen... Well, never mind. <laughs> There's only one chapter in which we've seen Ham. That is true. Gotta keep watch out for that. They didn't describe Always. his sleeveys. <laughs> I keep calling Brandon they. Brandon's a he. <laughs> they. <laughs> I'm just them tiptoeing. I don't know him. Him and his <laughs> army of editors forcing them to change the ash mounts. <laughs> I mean, at this point, Dragonsteel is a reasonably sized like production team, but the the Cosmere books, the main ones, are just Brandon Sanderson essentially. <laughs> Brandon, we are transing your gender. <laughs> Get vehemed. <laughs> We've declared it. <laughs> Do not resist. Uh. all right with that we're gonna get started (laughs) (laughs) there's nowhere else to go from there exactly yeah that's the mood it's either we say something that's very relevant to the book and so i say with that we'll get started or we say something that is in no way relevant to the book and i just hard shift gears anyway (laughs) all right justin as shepherd exactly i should go (laughs) i should go I have that mug on my desk. It's right there. (laughs) Justin, please don't go. I won't be able to hear you. Yeah, no, that's fair. (laughs) Then I'll just come back and start the dialogue all over again. (laughs) Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast. No! (laughs) Can it wait? I'm in the middle of some calibrations. about to say it, Beth! God damn it. You found my one weakness. All right, we'll we'll get started here with with chapter ten as part of our reading. Today. I was gonna say now that we've spent a minute segueing into Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah, let's let's really focus up. So the chicken nuggets of pure allomancy. Yes, yeah. the uh, the nuggets of pure allomancy. It's a uh, nugget is one of those words that only gets used in like two or three scenarios. Like they are either made out of chicken or valuable metal, and that's it. Do not mix them up. Or occasionally a nugget of information. True. Mm. Well, we got some uh, some nuggets of information here uh, about these <laughs> nuggets of pure allomancy. Mm. Yeah, so this is Sazed. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know for sure, but look, he, he knows about Ellen. Uh, he says do not instead of don't, and he's humble. So he's just... <laughs> What else do you I, need? <laughs> I, I, I think it's worth pointing out something that I didn't really realize until very recently. But 
there was a lot of talk about what would be the obvious answer as to who the hero of ages is in this book and i think it is interesting that sam and i have both just completely given up on the idea that the main character we thought it was for two books vin is just no longer an option that does seem like like i i accept that you are now both all in on this theory and we're going to be checking back in on it uh it seems like the epigraphs are more and more getting you locked in on this, uh, but I'm going to be curious as to how the events of the book itself, the real-time plot, are going to affect that. Because right now, like, Vin is definitely the one doing the most heroing to, to verb a noun. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Druffle. I'm changing my vote. <laughs> Okay, Could now we've got controversy. <laughs> oh, it's you, Alec Manoa. <laughs> Justin did say that we never see Fatron again, but we never said anything but, about Truffle, did we? But yeah, it's like, you know, I, I was thinking very strongly that Ellen was going to be a prime suspect and here we have Ellen being addressed in the third person. I still think there's like a slight chance, just as I did um, for in the first couple chapters when it was like it could still be Rashek, that... Once you truly become the hero of ages, you're like subsumed into some grander reality. I was going to say, you could do some sort of like, I am no longer Ellen anymore thing. And then the other thing is like, there are still like Sam's first guess is whether it might be someone we haven't met yet. And I did have the idea of like, what's going on with that Miss Spirit? Miss Spirit definitely would know about the nuggets and who Ellen is and all that. Did happen to be right there. Yeah. <laughs> Did know. That is a theory that at this point in the book, I can tell you I definitely was not considering. <laughs> it's a little buck wild. Could be, but some of these twists have been. That is true. Since seen some weird stuff. All right. So with an eye towards uh, Sazed apparently being our ultimate hero of ages, let's see how Sazed is doing. Uh, and the answer is still having a, a crisis of religion. Mm, still murdering the entire collective global memory of these religions. Wait, is he? He's not using his copper mines anymore. I don't think he's overwriting anything necessarily. Well, well, here's the thing. Like, if he dies, those copper mines are just, you know, useless. They're, they're right. good for shadowing alimentic use. Uh, whereas the stuff that he's writing, if he finds... A discrepancy just crumples up the page and throws it away like hot, like hot trash. Right. So we do know that the the keepers all collectively have all of the information, but they do definitely have their their specialties uh, and their areas of focus. So yes, if Sazed is not around to have this uh, this deep look at the religions of the past, there's a good chance that the the collective knowledge of them would significantly decrease. I, mm, he's sad he, he's coping in his own way i get it yeah it's i mean it's it's rough to to read through it is poor guy and we also i think get more confirmation here the first time we see him doing this it's kind of like he is coming at it from a logical perspective and he waits until he sees like a direct contradiction and then says okay this one's not it but here we have him like kind of stretching in terms of well i have to cross this one on the list somehow so you know 
its optimism just doesn't fit with the fact that the world sucks. So that makes it not work. And you can tell that he's really being a lot more vindictive about it than his kind of logical thought process is giving off. I was actually, I was just uh, loading up Brandon's annotations on this and he, he comments on how, um, I mentioned last time how he had trouble in an early draft because so much of Sazed's early chapters were um, just kind of difficult to read through because of the struggles he was going through. Uh, he he points out this active process of Sazed trying to to analyze these religions to find a meaning in them. Like, he's not in a good place and he's not really getting somewhere with this, but he is doing a thing and he's he's trying and that does give us it, it gives us a little bit of something and he's riding a horse oh no it's so true <laughs> he's multitasking <laughs> there's the detail of mayor used to believe in this and i i the word looked slightly familiar and then when mayor got brought up that like clicked a little bit i think that has that has already been name dropped in final empire is that correct I believe you may be correct. Let me double check on that. Yeah, Larsenism kind of struck me. Like, I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, I think he preached it to Vin at one point. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I believe so. I think that was one of the ones he was talking to Vin about. Oh, uh, yeah. I wrote down some of his oh, religion pitches, not actually, all Actually, uh, the point where we've heard the, the Larster religion before, uh, one of the things that it is known for uh, is its very short marriage ceremony. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh. Th- this is the faith that ostensibly Vin and Ellen are married under. <laughs> now that Sazed has eliminated it, does that still count? <laughs> Oof, that's, uh, <laughs> yikes. Marriage I, and old. I, 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 no, I think, I think it's still good, because, like, if I... If, if if you get married and then later on the priest or pastor or whatever like becomes an atheist, I don't think that annuls your marriage. <laughs> it would be wild. That's true. <laughs> but but what if the priest or pastor destroys every copy of the holy book of uh, your his religion? He uh, the religion destroy every copy. Under. He just made a new copy and then crossed that one out and then hid the first copy where it's going to be inconvenient to distribute. <laughs> Okay. Debating whether or not I, I cut this detail, but th- this is kind of funny, given that Beth, you did in fact perform my marriage ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm such a staunch believer in the Universal Life Church that exactly. don't worry, I'll never, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll never deconvert. So yeah, Sazed, while while he is. Uh, thinking and riding along with his his excellent multitasking uh he is joined by breeze uh who is contemplating the the state of the world uh in kind of his own usual way uh where he's he's decided that the uh the black ash that is blanketing the world and making everything a depressing nightmare uh is boring and that's the main problem with it and that you know you could have you could have red ash, and that would be striking and and indicative of of an evil force trying to take over the world. Uh, Sam has provided some uh, visual analogy. <laughs> Eric Andre show. What if it was purple? Breeze, I, d- I don't think uh, ever settles on purple, but that would be unusual. 
black or green or uh not black uh red or green did he say green or did he just imply that no. he mentioned green, about green but it it starts they make fun to, of green <laughs> yeah it it goes back to this thing of like uh kelsier and apparently mayor uh, have this kind of dream of there being green plants and everybody going what the hell are you talking about <laughs> yeah this this conversation also just does a very good job of driving home the contrast in how Sazed, and then particularly Sazed and Breeze have always interacted, is that of his own volition, Breeze just starts bringing up, oh, what would make things look more interesting? What would make them look more artistic? And, like, a conversation that is perfectly in line with Larstaism. And Sazed says nothing about the fact that he is thinking very heavily on that religion currently. Um... Like, we obviously knew he was in the headspace to not be preaching religions anymore, but the fact that Breeze is actively talking about how artistic things should look and says he's in the middle of thinking about that, but then does not bring it up out loud, it, it really drives home the point of where he is at as a character. Yeah. I don't think Breeze is in the right headspace to be of any counsel about that. Vin brings it up, I think, in a couple chapters. Yeah. Yeah. He's overcompensating. <laughs> yeah, he's... He's trying, but for all all his talent at reading and understanding emotions, I just don't think he's very good at this. I, I don't think he has a lot of practice of, like, offering genuine comfort and counsel. But he's trying. You know who does? Pretty much just says... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say Vin tries later and is also bad at it. <laughs> you know, that's the uh, bit of an unfortunate break there when says it is now also very much in need of that yeah also uh it is hard to forget that these folks do not know that the lord ruler is the well no do they i think they like have the implication that the lord ruler is why all the plants are dead and everything's black or whatever but i don't think they know that for sure no, do? that's yeah. the The details of what actually happened during the Lord Ruler's ascension are, uh, I don't think they're really known at all. I don't think they're known, but I'm pretty sure part of Mayor's belief system was, once we overthrow the Lord Ruler, we can fix what he broke. So I, I think some people just assume it's his fault, even if there's no tangible proof of that. Hmm, how do I get rid of the mists? I know. I'll move the the earth closer, or Hill closer to the sun, and <laughs> boil off all water in the entire world because mist is water vapor. It's what are perfect. you doing, Rishik? Uh, unbeatable plan. Look, he's oh. not a scientist. He's just a Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely from what we can tell so far it was definitely not the uh the most well thought out uh few moments and we we've seen like a little bit of this from when when vin very briefly held the power at the end of all of ascension and we've heard some of it mentioned uh in the epigraphs thus far but it was uh it was literal moments you know the the divine power can throw that off but this was this was all happening extremely quickly so he was not perhaps set up in the best of circumstances for 
<laughs> he also wasn't very good at it, but it was not a, an easy position <laughs> to put in. I just want to imagine a farmer now, just like out in his field, tending his crops, and then all of a sudden the mountains sprout up from nowhere, and the, the ash is falling, and <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, no, not a good day. <laughs> so shortly after this uh, this time between just Breeze and Sazed, uh, they we this is now the other perspective of where we left off at the end of our previous section. They are rejoining uh, the main body of the army, uh, along with Alan and Vin and, and the others. Uh, we have a, a brief appearance from Captain Gordel, who is one of those hey. small characters who has has hey. continued to to reappear. So good to see him again. Makes me smile. Yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, and we also have a uh, an appearance from someone who is uh, moving very quickly and also pink, because uh, Orianne <laughs> is here. Who could it and be? Bree and Breeze says, "Oh dear." <laughs> it's Lady Cliss. God, I wish. <laughs> I do like the note though that, like, she does look kind of silly on a battlefield or in an, an army camp with her, you know, big frilly pink dresses. Uh, but she is a very good horse rider. Uh, and when she is riding over to, to meet them, uh, they, they do note that, uh, she is, she is a good rider and knows what she's doing there. So there's a, a brief reunion where, uh, she's deciding if she's going to be undignified enough to go give Breeze a hug. So apparently this is still a thing. <laughs> Breezy. I also like Sazed's note that uh, if there was anyone more brazen with their alimantic powers than Breeze, it's all Rianne, uh, <laughs> who is just like, I've just, we, we've just returned and, and reunited, and I'm going to be drastically rioting you to make you feel happy and excited to see me again. What a pair. <laughs> Before I move on too much, there is another little detail of the Sazed Breeze conversation that was wild to me, which is that they're talking about the mists and how the world is ending. And Sazed goes on a little rant of like, it's all natural, probably. It's all like, this is just how the world works. And, you know, it's cold and that's why the mist is showing up. And I think there's a little bit of acknowledgement of then why, is, why aren't the mists going away in the summer? But the other thing is, Sazed, there was a mist spirit that told you about the Well of Ascension prophecy and told you that you needed to stop Vin from going in and, and uh, releasing the power. Why now do you think that all this is just natural? Yeah, there's a little bit too much agency. Your studies were supernaturally changed so that you could be manipulated. <laughs> it's not weather patterns. There's a little bit of X-Files going on here. Now it must all be, must have a rational explanation. It's <laughs> a perfectly rational explanation for all of this. You saw an alien, Scully! <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, they are reuniting, and we get to see the the crew kind of come back together here. Sazed uh, and, and Vin reunite, which I always like to see. Those two are, are good for each other. Yeah, that is true. Vin is a person who kind of knows when to let silence do its thing. Mm -hmm. Which she, is, she is very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the scene where she just leaves, you know, says a uh, mayor's drawing of the flower, just <laughs> mic drop, you know? You gotta know hmm. when to 
you know. Exactly. Yeah, this is, you know, we saw a little bit of of Sazed trying to explain to Breeze that he wasn't he wasn't feeling like he used to and apologies for if I'm bringing the mood down sort of thing. Uh, but with Vin, he actually is a little more, I guess, vulnerable in in terms of discussing what is his place in the world. Uh, there's a we start the scene with him. Uh, he's he's shaving his head. He's getting dressed in his his terrace robes, uh, and it's it's like that's part of a world that doesn't exist anymore. But it is something that still means something to Sazed. And. As if to drive that point home, we are told that he's wearing his steward robes, but we're not even told what design is on them. You know, that's true. We don't actually know if there is perhaps some alphabetical motif. <laughs> She's away from Mike, so she can't even say it. Beth! All the, all, all the joy has been has been wrought out of the descriptions of Sazed's clothing. Because of the L, not the V, the L. No, we've got we okay. We've got too many uh, too many alphabetical motifs now. He took the L, and thus there is no longer a. Is she back yet? No, no. We're just gonna have to go on. No, okay, that's <laughs> fine. We shall continue. Soldier forth. So Vin is able to uh, brief Sazed on uh, the things that they discovered, some of which may be relevant to his studies, though he's perhaps less interested in them than Vin thought or and or hoped. Uh, yeah, and if if there is a... Uh, if there's someone for Vin to talk about this experience that she does talk about, it would be Sazed, uh, where she, she does say, like, I was essentially divine for a few moments. And you know, how how do you deal with that? Uh, and and what does that mean about in, in particular? What does that mean about the people? You know, she says, "You you you taught me to love him." And and yeah, like we said, she leaves the uh, the drawing of the flower, and that will be it for now for them. It's interesting because they don't talk about the the fact that. Says it is currently murdering a religion close to uh, Mare's heart. Um, like, yeah, it no, is. That's, it is. That's a thing. I don't know, but but it's an interesting kind of parallel here because it is in and of itself. Like the drawing of the flower is a a powerful message to send. Right. Um, you know, Kelsey originally uses it to kind of turn Vin toward the light really back in final empire um and also <laughs> larstism i think it's it's a it's by this point in the book things are pretty grim for pretty much everyone so i'm i'm clutching at straws a little bit but i think it is a hopeful note to end on that even though he just eliminated so quote the larster religion he just he doesn't know what message vin is trying to send he does keep a flower and, and or the yeah. drawing of the flower like in his sleeve it's not like he tucks it out of the way in his portfolio he keeps it close so hopefully he can continue to think about that and derive some good from it yeah 
we also we mentioned Devin knowing when to let silence do the talking, but I think as raw of a line as it is, ending on you taught me to love him enough to let him die is harsh, but also probably good for Seizit to hear as well, of like Tindwell died protecting the city, which is what she wanted to do and what she insisted on doing, and it is healthy to accept that instead of kind of fighting against the entire world for doing something to her that she willingly was want like wanted to be willing to do. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And the fact that Sazed is the one who basically told Vin to be willing to do the exact same thing, I think is a very nice, it's a very good reversal of them kind of teaching each other important lessons about allowing people to do what they will, even if you want to feel super overprotective of them. Yeah, we will, we'll get back to, to that crew and uh, we'll see where that develops. Uh, but we'll go from here into a uh, a large chunk of uh, Chandra lore, which honestly is is one of my favorite parts at this point. Welcome to Phoenix Wright, the chapter. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, we also start off with our our epigraph. Uh, it's it's competing with Sam for champion lead barrier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with the the beginning, we hear about the first contract, which is is cool to finally learn about. Uh, that that w- this was kind of a a formalization of the early interaction between the Lord Ruler and the first generation of Chandra, uh, and that it uh, you know it laid out this structure. Uh, it was signed by the Lord Ruler. Uh, and also, there is a clause that calls for the mass suicide of the entire Conjure people. Let's keep going. <laughs> why? Why? Why is that? Why is that there? Good question. For, That's weird. First off, next question. Why is it? First off, why is it there? <laughs> Second off, importantly, because there's a lot of things in the first in the epigraphs of the first book that I think we were like. That's wild, but it's probably just a random cool little thing that end up being super important. So second question, Brandon, why are you bringing this up? That That's a strange thing to just randomly bring up. Um, and uh, just driving home the, uh, the whole Mass Effect 3 of it all is <laughs> accidental genocide is on the table now. That's a thing that might just happen. Oh, no. <laughs> Y'all remember the line item veto? The, li- the what? The line item veto. Uh, it's something that the executive can do in, in America where uh, a bill comes to their desk and they can say, I'm signing off on all except that part. Except um, that one I like, thing. I like to imagine this is the opposite of that. <laughs> they, they took it to the Lord Ruler. Here, can you can you sign this, review this contract? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'll put my signature on it, but first let me just add this little thing here. Okay, and then I sign it. <laughs> just quick, quick addendum. Don't worry about it. If you ever cross me, you all have to kill yourselves. You might all die. If Just it's a so short you... sentence, it couldn't change that much. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he just got rid of the word don't. <laughs> yeah, he just erases that. <laughs> <laughs> that literally happened in a bill. There, there was a bill, and, and I think the word not was crossed out. And, and it... I think the Supreme Court struck down light on, line item vetoes, I hope, because they're so stupid. But 
All right. Because it doesn't go back to the legislature. It's just like, oh, now it's, it's law. It's just law. <laughs> Wait, that's not how vetoes work? If you're willing to do something like take out the word not, you could just arbitrarily change anything. <laughs> yeah, it's a real ruin move to just change one word and then everything changes. <laughs> Under no circumstances should the Lord Ruler call for the mass suicide of the entire Condor people. He just slowly crosses out the no. Under circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we do get the uh, the Phoenix Wright Condra edition here. Uh, as we see uh, the judgment of... Uh, ten soon. Can I read my notes here for a second? <laughs> so uh, I, I read the, no page one fifteen, the first page of this, and I didn't flip the page. Um, I wrote here. Can Par asks ten soon why he killed Akandra? He didn't. Nope, he did. <laughs> turn turn page. <laughs> yep. He, I I also he, had in my notes. So he. Did kill Orisur? <laughs> Great. Yeah, no, things kind of go off the, the rails pretty quick here. Uh, because Tensoon is is fully expecting to be judged for uh, breaking his last contract when he sided with Vin. And most significantly, revealing the alimantic weakness of the Chandra. Uh, and then Kanpar starts things off with... You killed another Chandra, which we do have to kind of backtrack to uh, for the fact that when Tensoon took over Orser's position, that was a thing that he did, yes. So, uh, this is, I, th I'm not a lawyer, but I'm think, I think, <laughs> I think this is illegal in, in the United States, what they're doing here, because he's really on trial for the whole um, thing that's actually illegal, right? Right, the the breaking of the, the secret. So they're introducing character evidence here that has nothing to do with the breaking of the secret at all, but is used to turn people against him in the crowd. Right. Yeah, it's like the judge is himself acting as an anti-character witness. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. What a fucker. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this is kind of a a weird way to start this off because as Tensoon points out, it's not actually illegal. Like, it's <laughs> it's bad. They all agree that it's bad. But the contract says that Chandra can't kill humans and apparently says nothing at all about killing other Chandra. <laughs> oh, Lord. Semantic arguments. And that there's the additional, <laughs> the additional element of... Uh, when he did kill Orser, he was following his contract as ordered by the Ventures, and he was assigned uh, to to the Ventures by Kanpar. So I think Tensoon has a very valid argument here. He, he certainly does. Imagine saying no to Zane. Right. Like, just... Uh, but the contract... I do appreciate when Tensoon is thinking about the the plan to imitate another Chandra. He goes, Vin never even suspected me. Who would? Certainly not me and Sam. Certainly not. That. And then I also appreciate that the rest of the Chandra are like, 
Oh yeah, that was a wild swerve. I wouldn't have seen that coming. I felt validated in not having any idea about that plot twist because all the Contra were also shocked by it. But if this is going to be one of those uh, kind of wild uh, mock trials where everything is just getting all mixed up and and emotional arguments are the weapon of the day, uh, Tensoon gets one back uh, when he brings up that uh, Kanpar, again, as the one who was apparently assigning these contracts, uh gave a contract for a chondra to kelsier who was planning to kill the lord ruler and like that seems like a pretty well-known fact among the chondra probably even at that time so yeah that was kind of wild <laughs> oops thanks hun for i i appreciate that like yeah hun for it immediately like it says one of the seconds and then the next paragraph it clarifies it's hun for this idiot Condra. <laughs> so, look, look, he pays he a was, lot. He was planning to assassinate the guy, but like he pays really well. So, like, what are we supposed to do? It's not like it was actually going to work, right? Yeah, no one else had assassinated him yet. Conpar's like, shut up, shut the fuck up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> so, with that line of argument kind of breaking down, Conpar decides that it's wise to. Uh, get back to the thing that actually was the uh, the problem, uh, and the the way that that Tensoon broke his contract, revealed these secrets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and then comes uh, Tensoon's big twist reveal, and this one I quite like, uh, which is his line of argument is. The Chandra obey the first contract, which was signed between them and the Lord Ruler. The Lord Ruler is dead, and Vin killed him. Therefore, Vin has taken his place as the the kind of holder of the first contract, and therefore doing whatever Vin says is the right thing. And I love this <laughs> this argument. Mic drop. Wow. It, it says he expected outcries of blasphemy and condemnation. Instead, he got shock silence. I really would have loved just like hearing one contra whisper to another in the background. Is is that how it works? I didn't think that was how. But maybe that is that is that what we should what? Like this feels like a wild precedent to just declare everyone should do. Um, and I don't know. I want some confused murmurs of like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, that seems like they would be, there would be some questions in the room. I'll just say, this is indeed chicanery. <laughs> Peak chicanery here. Peak chicanery. Tensoon is truly the Saul Goodman of Kondra. I, I'm, I am actively brainstorming how to turn Conpar's arguments into the Chuck McGill speech from chicanery. <laughs> You think this is bad? He killed a Chandra with his own hands. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's weird to think that, you know, we've gotten a few, like, Ellen is the emperor now. Ellen is a tyrant. Ellen has some uncomfy parallels to the Lord Ruler. Let's just throw Vin in that mix, too. Right. She'll compete for the title. Yeah, and it's, it's not, like, th this is the only place that that argument would, uh, would come from 
from the Chandra because they have that very unique perspective on this. Uh, but it does kind of cast some things in an interesting light, uh, especially in regards to... It, apparently, it's it's kind of already been dismissed, the idea that Vin is obviously the Hero of Ages. But but in a, in a, a kind of magical sense, she does have that kind of lineage. So with this... Uh, with this line of argument being deployed, this this judgment is fully off the rails. You know, Tensoon is <laughs> is going for broke. He's he's putting out all this just for everyone to hear. Uh, and Kanpar has had enough, and he doesn't want this this going any further. And the hope was that the the other Chandra there would uh, uh, would would come to his aid, but what happens is nothing. They they turn to the first generation uh, to see if if Tensoon will be, I guess, pardoned. Uh, there is absolutely no reaction. Uh, and and Tensoon even says, if they did still live, he's not even sure if they're up there. Uh, and, but yeah, nothing, nothing happens. Uh, Kanpar resolves that uh, in one month's time, he will be sentenced. Mm-hmm. I like Caleb's theory. Oh, about the first generation? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I no longer have any faith in that, because any time a character <laughs> starts to think the same theory I do, it means that that's not actually what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there is there is one exception to that, which is that th I still find wild when Vin was like, I think the deepness might be the mists. And then she went to Seizid, and Seizid said, yeah, maybe, but probably not. Like, yes, that's probably nothing. And then, like, two chapters later, says it is like, oh, yeah, probably, actually. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, why I not? Just, I, I just want, like, uh, um, uh, Tensoon right here to, to grab, like, the microphone and be like, oh, yeah, well, screw you, too, and throw it and hit one of the first generation, and the head just rolls off into the ground, and it's <laughs> oh, no. a, head of, a head of lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> just like oh we're rumbled shit <laughs> everyone get out uh there is also one detail justin you did mention the hero of ages and whether or not it's vin during this conversation but very specifically uh tensu mentions the world bringers which is a judging from the epigraphs a terrace thing and I don't know if we've gotten a lot of confirmation that, like, the Terrace and the Chandra are closely related in any way. But it is interesting that the um, uh, Chandra would be paying attention to what the Worldbringers have spoken of. Mm. It's a good point. Uh, especially if, you know, if the, the Worldbringers, as we've heard, have a lot of, you know, history stretching all the way back to the original Ascension. Uh, and some of these chandra were literally alive then so that's like that makes your your prophecies interesting when you actually have uh people who were were around then but yeah with the uh the whole one month to wait uh there's a a whole bunch of questions left there as to what is the uh what is Kanpar's actual game plan here and Tensoon is unfortunately left to wait, and uh, so are we, as we are heading out of that POV for the rest of this section. Going into chapter 12, uh, this time the epigraphs are going to start with the, uh, the, the reveals up front. 
uh, Rashig moved the Well of Ascension. Obviously. Like, obviously? No, that's, that's not obvious, unless you are already divine. Come on. <laughs> he also didn't move it. He moved everything else. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I guess, you know, that's a, a question of semantics of, like, where where are you drawing the map from? Like, everything's moving all the time if you account for the planet and all that, but... Sure. Yeah, it, it's, uh... Te- technically, obviously he moved the Well of Ascension because he moved the entire planet closer to the sun, and it moved during that. But yeah, this is... Uh, this is a, a statement here of uh, the Lord Ruler's, I guess, actual, like, ultimate plan, uh, which was that the Well... Uh, would very slowly regain its power. Uh, our our epigraph writer here says that it, it can't. It probably can't be, you know, destroyed or used up. It will return, and so the Lord Ruler was forced to play the ultimate long game, of you know, well, the first time around, we got away with it. The planet's not destroyed, but it didn't go well, and so I need to be able to do this again in a thousand years. How do I set that up so that it will happen? Dictatorially. In the process, we do also get final 100% definitive confirmation that the, the the shack was built on top of the well, Kredik Shah was built around the shack, and Luthadel was built around Kredik Shah, um, which is very, very heavily hinted and theorized uh, at the end of Well of Ascension, but here we have the epigraph writer definitively telling us that that is how the the chain of events went down Mm -hmm. Uh, in chapter 12 we are now returning to uh, vin and ellen who start with some time just to themselves before they get to the uh, the meeting that is is imminent Uh, and vin is worrying about sazed which is touching in a time like this when there is a whole lot in this world to worry about I also like the note that uh, now that Ellen is a Mistborn and has access to things like Pewter to keep him awake for this long, uh, it's not a reaction of, you know, oh, that's how Vin has been doing this. The reaction is, I have this power and she's still pushing herself way too hard. (laughs) Now I understand more. that right. she should not be like this. Yeah, exactly. I already kind of knew that, but now I definitely know. <laughs> so we uh, we mentioned this uh, looking back when, when we saw Sazed and Breeze interacting, uh, but we, we see it now, uh, is that Breeze is perhaps not as subtle as he thinks, and Vin is more perceptive than she lets on, uh, is that Vin thinks that Breeze is trying too hard. Is that he's he's putting on a front of his, you know, snarky kind of uh, happy-go-lucky personality who just cares about the finer things and nothing else. Uh, but Vin can see that this is this is an act, and that he is afraid and and worried, uh, and is is trying to to help his friends by not showing that. And more broadly, is giving up. They're all kind of giving up one by one. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, we have the uh, the kind of meta knowledge of looking at our progress through this book, but if if people are starting to give up now, that's worrying. <laughs> it's just part one, guys. <laughs> we we gotta keep it up for at least a couple <laughs> more parts. 
can always ungive up, you know. During this conversation, Vin also notes that one of the signs that Caesar has given up is that, you know, he's he was the only one of us who had faith and he's lost that. Ellen Ellen tries to pull, he's like, the only one of us with faith? What about this? I belong to the Church of the Survivor. It's <laughs> like, like, no, Ellen. you don't. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, but as as they are going off to their, their meeting, it's a, a bit of a flippant note, but uh, Ellen thinking to himself that uh, uh, he's going to fix it because that is the job of the Emperor. It is the Emperor's only job to make everything better. Good luck. <laughs> oh, my God. And then he and then he tells everybody we're all fucked. <laughs> he tells Great everybody job, we're all fucked, and then he goes, "So let's think about someone who was better at this than I was. Tell me about that guy." <laughs> yeah, no, we got to get is... there first, though. Oh, yeah, I know. We got to get through the part <laughs> where we're fucked first. Right. So we see a uh, a full scale uh, planning meeting. Uh, this is is a thing that that Brandon calls out in the annotations as we get these uh, once per book as a, a distinct scene. We had uh, Kelsier's with the, the chalkboard in the first book. Uh, and in Well of Ascension, there was one early on where Elland was trying to uh, convey his plans to deal with the, the incoming armies. And that was the one where the others had started the meeting without him and were just kind of doing their own thing and so coming back to it in hero of ages uh, this time ellen definitely is actually in charge of this meeting has the the respect of the people who are are here helping him Uh, but he is also taking input from them and and trying to work on this plan the uh the plan in question uh as uh as ellen is remarking on it because uh, he's he's drawn up this very complex map uh, that Set, who is here and is still his his grumpy self, uh, is is like, what is this bullshit? I don't understand. <laughs> I also it's it's just such a very flippant description because this is from Vin's point of view, and she mentions King Set, one of the monarchs who had sworn allegiance, had an unfashionable beard, an even more unfashionable mouth. And two legs that didn't work. Jeez, like, yeah, come, come like, on, Vin. Put it in a more respectful way. <laughs> yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> this is the person that Vin had to beg Zane not to kill. Yeah, just to just to remember that. Um, I don't know, and she doesn't trust him. But they've bonded now. <laughs> That's right. We're uh, you and me. We had a special moment. I I begged an insane man not to kill you. But he wasn't insane. Apparently, Nordin was there too. <laughs> Nordin, but not Nordin, who is a completely different person who is here. Who is also no Nordin is also here. Both of them are here. Ah, yes, they are. <laughs> I like that. You know, set from what we've seen in this scene, simply has not changed. We've talked yeah, yeah. a lot about how everyone else has been affected by the past year. But Set has always been so unapologetically a dick. Yep. <laughs> Not even the end of the world will change that. The only thing that's really changed is he's he's kind of had to reset like his position reset. in in the hierarchy and in the world. Totally did that on purpose, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. No, he he now is a a subject king, 
and does not have his kind of ambitions of world conquering. But yeah, for the rest of it, it is still, he, he is still the man that he presents himself to be. 100%. Well, also mentions a couple pages later that he is taking Clubs's spot as the main military strategist. So like, it's not just that he's a king who need, deserves to be in the room. He's like part of the crew now, which is a little bit wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was dragged into it by the balls. <laughs> I have a note so about crude. that. So uh, the, the chart that Ellen is trying to present here uh, is they, they've been analyzing the progression of the mists and the damage that they are doing. Uh, and what we have here in, in modern retrospect, you know what this is? Is a, is a battle royale circle. Oh, oh my, my God, it totally is. I, that literally came to me <laughs> as I was doing this, as I was reading this, this right now. Uh, but yeah, they have been tracking over time the ever-shrinking area of the Empire that will actually be able to sustain people, uh, which is pretty terrifying. <laughs> and the last place it'll take over is Tomato Town. What? I'm going to assume that is a Fortnite. That's right. <laughs> a game that I, I mean, have Kelsier would never know. played. Yeah, no, that's actually true. <laughs> Kelsier would know. <laughs> Kelsey, your Fortnite is real. <laughs> he can hurt you. I don't. <laughs> I don't Fortnite. like it. I don't want to imagine Kelsey as that. He can do a silly dance. Yeah, That's I was true. gonna say you don't Many. like thinking about Kelsey doing Fortnite dances. Not particularly. Then, then let's <laughs> think about uh, something that may have some some more relevance, uh, which is that Vin is thinking about Reen again. Reen is which... back. <laughs> Reen is back and Yay. being his usual awful self. Uh, He's so yeah. bad for you, girl. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 not great. But yeah, this is uh, this is the impossible problem at hand, uh, and it's something that that Vin thinks back to like the logbook and the histories that they've read of how do you fight the planet becoming uninhabitable? You you can't march an army on lack of daylight and so uh so ellen makes his uh makes his plea is we've got ourselves in an impossible situation uh but you did that once already kelsier said here's an impossible situation and let's do it and you did so let's do it again um yeah set does mention that he didn't get recruited and i just want to point out if, if this were a chance if this were a situation where ellen said something and then a bunch of different characters said things before ellen spoke again then the word them would be a lot more clear however Ellen speaks, and then Set says he didn't recruit me. I got pulled by my balls in this little fiasco. Ellen says, I wish I cared enough to apologize. Ellen said, staring at them. Brandon, is Ellen staring at Set's balls right now? I'm going to keep going and not answer that question at all. Is it in the annotations? We need to know. No, it's not. He didn't say staring at the rest of the group. He said them, and the last plural noun we have to focus on is Set's balls. I'm going to be charitable and say that as Ellen is asking the rest of the group for advice in the next sentence, that he has not even bothered to look at Set when dismissing his complaint and is, is just like talking over his shoulder as he is, is already turning to the rest of them and saying, okay, how do we fix this? That's fair. I just wish it was more clear. Brandon. 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 <laughs> 
I wish he would just say what he's feeling, though. Like, set, shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> set, did I ask you? I feel like even for new, new, like, harsh Ellen, him saying, I wish I cared enough to apologize <laughs> is pretty brutal. Yeah. I, I, yes, but I also feel like that's the perfect way to respond to Set. Like, that's, Set would be like, eh, that's fair. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, if, yeah. if you're gonna, if, that's playing Set's game, and he's gonna respect that. <laughs> Just reminded of all the memes that take, uh, like, the introduction of, of, like, Disney movies, or, like, the Wii Sports voice, and turn it into, no one asked. <laughs> pretty much no one asked <laughs> so in this uh this group here looking that that uh ellen is looking for advice from uh we do have you'll be overjoyed to see the uh return of ham yes uh, who i took notice is, of course you did uh who is doing some of his thinking uh vin points out that again with with her read on people that he has gotten uh a little more um i, I guess uh concerned uh you know he he's not he's not quite as much for the banter as it seems like there's a lot on his mind uh and he's going to start trying to solve this from a a, a more practical perspective of can we find something that will grow that will will sustain us uh and th there's some back and forth on this line they're kind of forced to admit that they don't really have the resources or the time to answer this question so uh it, it will perhaps not be the way to go I, I won't lie i ellen says i doubt we could feed an entire empire on mushrooms and he's probably right in terms of feeding an entire empire but in terms of the how do we not all starve Ham has a fairly good plan here. I actually really I yeah, think this no, is a it's, smart it's, idea. It is it, it's it's hampered by the fact that they don't say anything. Um it's uh <laughs> it, you know, it's it's blocked by the fact that they are not the type of people to be answering this question. You know, none of them have even run a farm, much less studied the the growth of plants and whatnot. Uh, but it is, you know, if they had more time and more resources, probably the best way forward. They're also hampered by the fact that mushrooms aren't technically plants, but that's just, and that's another thing. And he's also not a scientist, so I forgive him for that. <laughs> mushrooms are weird, man. Yes. <laughs> Have any of you seen the uh, the the mushroom copy pasta about uh, you cannot kill me in any way that matters? So yes. <laughs> I'm not fucking afraid of you. <laughs> <laughs> mm. have you seen that uh humans body heat is partially a survival mechanism to keep us from getting subsumed by fungus and that it's lowering and that's worrying people great that's terrifying yeah i i already have anxiety i don't need to <laughs> think about getting the last of us did we'll all be clickers soon enough You know, if I can achieve clicker status, maybe that's okay. I think this is just the sign that we will be bonding. We will have symbiotic bonds with mushrooms. And by that, I mean, we will just enact Ham's plan and we'll only eat mushrooms. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, that's an optimistic take on it. We'll go with that one. Mm -hmm. 
he is the, he, he is the the true survivor so his solution is probably going to be the correct one that's true that must be the case then uh Elland has a uh, a take that is would sound pretty wild several books ago uh which is that the lord ruler has proven more altruistic than we expected uh because they do have these storage caches that they've been find that they've been finding uh, that have a significant amount of preserved food that will at least keep things going as they're trying to figure out other solutions. He does say, I can understand him somewhat, he wasn't spiteful, he wasn't even evil exactly. Now, mm. you could make the argument that the Lord Ruler wasn't evil if he really did set up all these caches. I would probably disagree with that take, but that is a take that like you could logically try to argue. Ellen, you're going to tell me he wasn't spiteful? He's yeah. suffocated oh, yeah, like no, no. four different races. It's his defining character trait in all the epigraphs. What do you mean he wasn't spiteful? Yeah. When there was a rebellion, he just grabbed some rando people to execute in retribution. Like hundreds oh my god, of and and not just that, but executed them in a in a fountain that was designed to take their blood and spew it into the air. Guys, guys, guys. He just got carried away. Just yeah. carried away. <laughs> Among Us has not gotten carried away. <laughs> listen, that's a listen. All right, if you go on a murder and spree and, and cops come up to you to freeze, up, put your hands up, guys. I, I got, I just got carried away. I I had I had a heated gamer moment. I'm sorry about it, but everyone has those from time to time. <laughs> Understood, citizen. Be on your way. Yeah, we we move on to the the kind of more practical uh, next step. Uh, which is that uh, Fadric City is the next target indicated by the, the Lord Ruler's little puzzle cache things. Uh, and so they will be marching on Fadrax, which Set is overjoyed to hear. <laughs> and uh, they... Uh, it's I guess it's nice to have a kind of practical action to take of let's go conquer a city. Or at least take a thing from a city. You know, we have armies. That's a thing we can do. We do get a brief mention that all of these caches have had some special thing. In Vetiton, we found large stores of the first eight alimantic metals. And then they just don't elaborate on the special things they found in all the other ones. We know they got knowledge of, like, aluminum and of electrum. But in terms of, like, if they found specific objects or resources that were special, we don't get any elaboration um, which is why I'm looking forward to the hashtag Ben Gates cut, where we will find out what was in all the other caches. Of course, where we see every single mm. puzzle get solved. In Statland City, there were party supplies. <laughs> <laughs> every single time they find a cache, there's the scene in National Treasure where they light the torch and then it like spews out into <laughs> yeah. the treasure room and it like keeps going and keeps going. We're gonna get that five times. They're gonna get to the last, the last one. <laughs> And there'll be this little indent on the wall and Ben has to take her earring out and say, could it really be so simple? <laughs> could it really be that simple? <laughs> they they light up the room and uh, look, Vin, it's it's streamers and confetti. <laughs> you, and the metal you, inscription says, you've killed me. Congrats. Congratulations. <laughs> you were supposed to find this one last, uh, but uh, presumably you've saved the day by now. Good job. Omedeto. <laughs> Omedeto. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we figure out uh, what is in the uh, the last cache. You know, they they were hoping earlier that it was ATM, which 
would be nice, but got to admit they uh I I'm not sure how that keeps them alive if that's the main concern. So they are uh uh yeah, and actually if you um if if you go through as they are they're planning uh, there's a, a brief concerning note about how there's also been uh, earthquakes lately, so planet's not doing too hot. <laughs> but Vin does actually point out to them that uh, the the ATM it has to be there. You know, where else could it have gone? They need to find it. It has to be. It'll definitely be there, it guys. It has to be. It. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have it. The uh, the politics do rear their head a bit, though, here, uh, as up until this point, it's kind of been a, a very passive voice going to Fadrex City and getting the things that are there. Uh, but this is a, a sovereign territory, uh, and Ham is the one to point out, do you mean we're going to conquer it? Like, can we establish that? Uh, and everybody has to kind of take a moment, uh, because... Uh, you know, Set also claims to be in charge of this city. Uh, and, you know, we don't know exactly what the uh, kind of hierarchy is here with, with Emperor Venture and the the subject kings. Uh, but it, it perhaps might get a little messy when the very real Fadric City gets involved. So the, uh, the decision for now uh, is that they, uh, they could try to siege it. Uh, there's a, a mention that there are Kolos available, which is definitely a line that would be crossed if they do that. But uh, yeah, they're going to march for Fadrex and try to uh, try to get that cash, hopefully without uh, inviting more trouble than necessary. Going on to other concerns in the Empire, of which there are still many, uh, Demo delivers a report uh, this is apparently a steel-inscribed message, so there's uh, there's some high-security message transport going on here. Uh, from Spook, who is definitely still going to be having some relevance, uh, Spook is in Urto and has been uh, trying to figure out what's going on there, uh, says that the city is controlled by Ska rebels, uh, and Breeze is initially very, uh, very happy to hear that you know they they have some history with ska rebels being mostly ska rebels themselves <laughs> uh this force is apparently a, a quite harsh even by the standards that this group is accustomed to uh so we'll have to see what uh what that exactly looks like yeah maybe best to leave ellen at home for that one which they, they <laughs> are, are looking to do which is great Send out Breeze and Sazed. Knowing the overall sort of structure of this book, I think it it makes sense that we're, you know, still setting up plot lines. We haven't seen Spook and Erto yet. We are going to. I think it is funny that the last, like, 50 pages of Well of Ascension were like, something's up with Spook, y'all. Something weird's happening with this guy. Anyway, we'll see him in 150 pages. Mm-hmm. He's a, <laughs> the he's next a spy book. right now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> He's, he's spying. He's busy. So as this uh, as this meeting is uh, starting to uh, to draw to a close and, and reach some conclusions, Ellen is sending people to various tasks. 
he would like to send Sazed to Urto. Sazed is a little hesitant about this. Uh, it says he has uh, some some personal projects that he would like to to research. Uh, but uh, Alan, as the Emperor, is going to insist, uh, and and Sazed will be part of that trip. Can I just can I just get somebody to read what I put in in the chat? My snip for my notes, <laughs> Justin. Uh, and the summary here is that Sazed wants a mental health break and to not go to her toe so that he can keep destroying all collective human memory of religions forever because he's sad. <laughs> he's sad. Tindwell! Listen, this, this, they got all of this information from somewhere. Surely there's records he's, about. He's also not destroying them. Like, keepers can read other people's copper mines, right? Uh, they can't. Copper they mines can't. are individually keyed. Oh, I thought it was just Alamancers can't, but keepers can. Well, he's still not destroying them <laughs> technically. He still, he still has the notes, and even if it's like this one is inconsistent, people can recognize like that's an annotation from an outside source. Doesn't he throw one away? At this point, like before, like when he's when when Breeze is just going buck wild on liquid and solid grapes. <laughs> uh, I know he tosses away his his paper notes. Yeah. Also, all the keepers were, as far as we know, all the keepers have been turned into keep quisitors, and uh, the terrace land is now subsumed by mists, and also taken over and looted by Coloss and Inquisitors. Yeah, so. that is a that is a good point. The very one of the very last things we saw in Well of Ascension before the mad dash to the end of the book uh was that uh the Terrace homelands have fallen and there are there are some escaped refugees but uh not uh, overall a, a good place. Well, as you yourself said, Sam, you can ungive up and thus there is still a chance for these religions to be disseminated. I'm hoping we get there. Well, I, I feel like we will <laughs> in some form, but... I mean, it's yeah. going to need to happen if Sazed is in fact writing our epigraphs. <laughs> yeah. We, we also have Ellen completely failing to read the room by emphasizing... Say so said, don't forget, you're the holy first witness. Don't you want to be the ambassador? <laughs> and then I love Sazed's expression was unreadable. There's just like a, a beat of silence and Sazed goes, very well, I shall do my best. Sazed <laughs> is probably very, very good at being unreadable when he wants to be. Yeah. So the the final part of this this group meeting is an, is an interesting one, uh, which is that Elland is... Uh, of all of the kind of pseudo lineages that we have involved here with with Elend as the new emperor with Vin as the uh, the one who killed the lord ruler and all that uh, Elend also kind of has this this bit of succession of of Kelsier as the the kind of planner and leader of this group uh, and having barely actually met the man and knowing the man in particular, that's a hard uh, place to live up to. And so Ellen, it's it's posed as a, a kind of question for uh, 
for his sake, for like, help me understand Kelsier. But it also does just kind of pull this group together again of, you know, how how did he do the things that he did? How did he bring all of you together? What kind of a person was he? Uh, Breeze says he was completely insane, you know, which I, I think when, when they're <laughs> willing to admit that is a bit of a, a mood turn for the positive for this group. Hmm. But but first we get Demo. He he was Lord of the Mists. Shut the, shut up. You knew him. I mean, you didn't know him well. He controlled your sword, whatever. But sh- but come on. It, it makes sense to me that the person who sees him as a literal like religious figure would be the first one to speak up. I feel like that checks out. Yeah. And then Ellen, devout member of the Church of the Survivor, says, "No, not that." I don't care about that. I. I, I do also love that, like, the introduction to this is Ellen says, there's one last thing I need to ask of you all. And Set is the one to ask, and what is that? And Ellen brings up Kelsier. And I really wanted Set to be like, okay, so do I have to be here for this, or can I right. go can now? I just, can I just leave? <laughs> can I go? <laughs> I do really like this scene. I think it's a, a nice, like you were saying earlier, Justin, continuation of grappling with Kelsier's legacy and... You know, Ellen being able to use that legacy while not trying to be Kelsier himself. There's a sort of bittersweet attitude to it because I feel like the Ellen of Well of Ascension would have been like, and here's why we should remain legitimately hopeful for the future. Whereas this Ellen is like, I don't care if you're pretending, I just need you to project this front for the rest of our people, which is a little bit of a bummer. But it, it does, you know, after we've had so many explanations of, like, Cezid is giving up and Breeze is giving up and blah, blah, blah. It is nice to see everyone sort of come back together and, and rally, as it were. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very nice. And I think our biggest, like, beacon of hope for the character is Cezid is the one to say he would have told us to laugh more. That was, that moment yeah. warmed my heart a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Believe in the me that believes in you. <laughs> that is kind of what we get here, isn't it? <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. I love that kind of character archetype. It's great. Yeah. So, yeah, on on kind of the first hopeful note for this particular plot line of the the Empire and their forces, uh, that is where we leave this off with the the groups being set to their tasks uh, the the crew here remembering Kelsier, and we will see what they can accomplish. Uh, unfortunately for us, we have one more chapter before we end here, uh, and we're back to Marsh, who is not in as good of a place. No, yeah, do bad. Our our annotation, <laughs> very quick. We get a a note about uh, hemolurgy, uh, which uh, death is involved. Uh, Marsh described it as, quote, messy, uh, which is apparently not disturbing enough. And from the very little that we've seen so far, I would believe that opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Also, important detail, because Sam, you brought up earlier that the epigraphs often use do not instead of don't. But we do have an it's here. We have an IT apostrophe S. Maybe complicating things. Hmm. Uh, into chapter 13 which as we've seen from our marsh chapters is uh is typically quite short uh i this is a really cool visual to start the chapter of uh 
Marsh is is thinking, is going through his own thoughts, but because Ruin isn't particularly focused on him, Marsh has just been sitting here for hours and is like getting almost buried in ash in the process. It's a good thing that this is a good starting visual because if this is ever adapted to film, it's the only visual for this chapter because it's very explicitly yeah. mentioned that he cannot move, otherwise Ruin will be paying attention to him. Yeah. You know, that's one of those uh, questions to the, the, the screenwriting team that I don't envy of how do you portray uh, the things that Marsh has been going through so far? Uh, because, I mean, the, the physical actions that we've seen him take aside, the the interesting bits are the thoughts that he's trying to, to live with uh, in the, the moments when Ruin doesn't have complete control. It's also screwed up. Poor Marsh. It, yeah, it it really is. Yeah. Yeah, he's not doing very good. We do get a little bit of perhaps Coloss lore. He notes that them filling their stomachs is more important than what they're eating actually being nutritious, which is just an interesting little detail as to how they work. And even Marsh is wondering how 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 is Babby Coloss formed? Yeah, what is the process <laughs> here? There's very little known about them. Marsh probably knows more than most with with his uh, connection to to Ruin and have presumably having wielded these Coloss armies, but he still doesn't know a whole lot. Uh, we learn that uh, Marsh now has uh, what Sam says is charitably called a fuckload of spikes. Uh, has gotten ten new ones. Mm-hmm. How even? Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> Where do you put them? All over his body, apparently. <laughs> like, I'm picturing, like, railroad spikes here. I, right? I was picturing, like, a, a kind of coming down the side of the torso, and there's, like, like, I almost said spikes. It's like, of course there's spikes. But I mean, like, on an animal, <laughs> spikes coming out. Like an ankylosaurus. Oh. They are... I don't know if they're all that big, but generally, yeah, what we've seen of the the Inquisitor's hemologic spikes is that they are pretty, pretty significantly big. They're hefty. Um, I would have to check. I don't have the leather bound in front of me. I have the, the copy that we're we're all using. Um, but the the interior uh, cover of each of the the leather bounds has a very beautifully illustrated and fairly exhaustively detailed chart of uh respectively allomancy ferrochemy and hemology and the hemology chart has it's noted that it's not complete because hemology has all kind of weird messy details but it has this <laughs> this layout of the other charts are kind of this nice uh circular diagram that we've seen portions of in the um the ars arcanum in this book uh, the hemology chart is a diagram of a human body and where you put different spikes to do different things. We also get a quick note that the Coloss army is 300,000 strong. That's not good. Yeah. That's a lot of them. That's that, a lot of Coloss. That to me sounds like enough Coloss to, to wipe out all sentient life forms on the planet. That's a lot of Coloss. Given the the That's numbers that we've seen in the the fights that have taken place, you're probably right. Like just just keep marching on cities and ripping them to pieces. Uh, in addition to the state of the world as it is, 
there are some additional very sad musings about uh, Marsh and his relationship with Mare, which we we knew a little bit more about Kelsier's relationship with Mare, but Marsh also did love her. And uh, things have gone so very wrong from there, I'll just say. A little weird, but okay. <laughs> I'm in love with my brother's wife. We did already know that, dead. I, I think. That was yes. that was brought up yes. in the Final Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit, not funny to me, but Marsh is like, um, you know, she fell in love with Kelsier, and Kelsier's the one who didn't give up, and Kelsier overthrew things while I had given up. And it's like, you did give up for a while, but Marsh, you did rejoin the rebellion. You were vital to... Yeah. You, you Lord played Ruler. A, a significant part in the the development of this world. In fact, it's very interesting that, like, yeah, he thinks at one point you you failed Kelsier, you killed the Lord Ruler. In terms of like physically killing him, Marsh, you were much more instrumental in that than Kelsier yeah. was. No, that's very yeah. true. And I do, as sad as this chapter is, I do appreciate that in kind of a counterpoint to Doxon's last thoughts. Here we have. Marsh being frustrated with Kelsier is like the key thing keeping him sane right now. I think that's there's something yeah. very bittersweet about that uh, kind of grounding him back to the world. Yeah, the specific line of damn you Kelsier, can't you leave me be even in death? It's a good line. It is. Yeah. And we see as this, this chapter and this episode in part conclude uh, Marsh has what little plan he can put together uh which is that he knows that that ruin probably has power and vision over all these things uh but as far as marsh can tell cannot see in his own mind and so that's kind of his his one last refuge is he's going to to bide his time uh save his energy and try to have just one moment of control uh and kill himself and remove the the key spike that he learned about uh, and take himself out of the equation and see if Marsh thinks that he is now a key piece of Ruin's plan, whatever it may be. And so if he can disrupt the plan at just the right time, maybe that's enough for the others to succeed. And as plans go, it's not a, it's not a, hopeful one or a, a great one but it is a plan it is a thing that he can kind of cling to and and that's where we leave him at the end of the chapter hmm. poor guy <laughs> we keep saying it but geez does marsh's life suck yeah it's not great uh in order to distract from the depression of this chapter i would also <laughs> like to commend brandon for like i said it would suck to try to adapt this scene to screen, but Brandon did a very good job of an entire chapter in which a character does not move a muscle is one of the most interesting chapters in the book so far. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, fair. There's a lot to chew on here in three pages. Yeah. Well, yeah, three and a bit. Three and change. So yeah, that is, uh, that's where we leave part one which has been in our our past couple of books uh kind of a setup uh for what plot lines are we going to be following through this book 
so now we have uh, uh, we have the Empire uh, and it moving towards both Urto and Fadrex in, in various combinations, as we saw in the, the maps. Uh, we have the the things that, that Sazed uh, is dealing with internally. Uh, we have things that, that Vin is dealing with internally. Uh, we we have this periodic reminder of Marsh and what is, is lurking in the background. We have things with what Marsh is doing internally. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, <laughs> only. <laughs> we have a, a mention of uh, Spook and his uh, uh, the spying that he's been done. We're going to see that become relevant as we move towards those cities. Uh, and that is that is pretty much where we, we leave ourselves here. With the the world kind of starting to come to pieces, and a a group that is going to try their best to fight against this this primal force of nature. So with that, I think we need to move into uh, our post reading segments. Uh, not a lot in terms of cast. We had, do we have entirely returning characters at this point? Uh, not quite. I didn't pick up anybody. I, well, I have a couple that I didn't cast last time. That I'm going to cast this time, and then technically, okay. if you want to cast Hun Fuer, uh, he would be. Yes, a we we did have some <laughs> some Chandra voices that appeared. Uh, yeah, Caleb, if you want to fill in a, a a gap or two, I I remember there were a couple that you were were waiting on. Yeah, sure. Um, I. I'm not. I'm not sold on my new Tensoon casting, but I think it could be fun. I think it could also be fun to have this actor voice Tensoon in in Well of Ascension, and then it's a fun surprise when we get to see him in person. But I was like, all right, it has to be someone who looks just kind of like a generic guy, just kind of a random guy, um, since that's presumably like Tensoon just like gave his best approximation of what a human looks like when he got these right. new bones. Um, and we also need someone who's good at like dramatically yelling and I could see him in like a big chamber full of these alien creatures and giving a still very dramatic performance yelling at Khan Parb. Um, so for now, I might change it later, but for now I've cast Adam Driver as Tensoon. Um, okay. All right. He's, he's a very good actor who also just kind of looks like a guy. <laughs> that, that is true. He's um, a character preset number three. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and then I have, um, uh, I, I did go into the, the voice actor realm for all of our other Chandra. Um, mm -hmm. I went back and chose Yuri Lowenthal for Varsel just because he's good at, he's just, he's just good every time you cast him in something and he's not, he's perfectly fine <laughs> doing the smaller roles. So I'll, I'll let him do that. Um, for Conpar, I have T.C. Carson, who is known for being the voice of the old Kratos before the new 2018 one. He was he was Kratos from God of War. Um, and he's also uh, Mace Windu in the Clone Wars series. Mm, okay. um, oh. And mostly from his Kratos performance, I know he is very good at yelling dramatically and uh, sounding very <laughs> accusatory. So I feel like he would be a good Conpar uh, for the role we've seen from him so far. Um, and then I do have a Hun Four. A um, little bit it takes a little bit of explanation. Uh, I've cast Mark Meir, um, who is mostly okay. known for voicing the male Commander Shepard in Mass Effect. Shepard. Um, however, 
lesser known is that Mark Muir also voices every single Vorcha in Mass Effect. He sure does. Um, (laughs) He sure does. I I just kind of, I had a Vorcha voice in my head when I heard Hun 4's like one or two lines. And so, yeah, I just think it would be fun to have that voice come out of, he paid so much money, so we just figured it would probably be fine. Fun fact, there's a uh, there's a part in Mass Effect 3 when Tali is very drunk and you're consoling her uh, and she says something like, you sound like a Vorcha, which is entirely <laughs> a reference to the fact that Mark Mir does voice all the Vorcha. I was just about to say that because as someone who exclusively played as Femshep for a while, I was like, do I? <laughs> all right. Yeah, for the most part, this was, uh, as we finished setting the stage for, for part one, uh, you know, we're, we're about to head off to both Fadrex and Urto, so there's going to be opportunities for new casting there. Uh, but for now, we've, we've reunited with everybody and met a bunch of Chandra, is pretty much where we stand. So, right. uh, with the stage set, where do we think this, uh, this book is going to be headed? All right, let's get into it. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm going because I'm always going. I'm always first, go for right? it. Yeah, go Do for the it. Thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the epigraph person says it. I'm just I'm I'm hammering down on it. Good for him. Uh, now the question becomes: What's the twist? Every past book has had an epigraph twist. Book one, the writer wasn't the Lord Ruler, and book two, the writer was saying more or less the opposite of what he was. Of what the characters thought he said. Um, so what's the twist? Uh, the answer is, I don't think there is one. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a trilogy. You guys have said that, yeah, you guys being um, Justin and, and Beth, have said that this book is just very good at answering questions and tying up loose ends. And maybe the epigraphs are just a a, a vehicle in which to do that. Okay. Says it knows everything now, so just let him explain all the stuff you've been wondering about. I mean, I will. I will admit there, if I if I were choosing an epigraph writer with an eye towards please explain things to me, that would be the pick. Yeah. Says it's good at the. Uh... If it is so obvious that it says it, then like I I feel like there should be a twist. So. I don't know. It, it would seem silly for, if we are supposed to know this early on that it says it. Why even keep it a secret? Why not just confirm it now? Um, so I don't know. You you, you really you, it couldn't be Vin. It couldn't be some other twist. Could be the Miss Spirit or some other person we haven't met yet. I I I'm just. I mean, until we see otherwise, there's been character name drops. Uh, so we know it's not Ellen. Unless and it's Ellen not Marsh, which we all now. thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could have been Marsh, but it's not. Uh, you know, if it's such a twist, what if it's a Mick twist? What if it's Tony Hawk? Well, <laughs> the, the, the then, then we'd, we'd never be able to tell because we wouldn't recognize him. That's right. Just special <laughs> guest star, Tony Hawk. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't think there's a twist. Uh, I, I will be glad to be proven wrong. So prove me wrong, Brandon. Um, I really 
and Caleb, this seems like something that you've changed your mind on as well. Uh, but I, I really like your last episode, your uh, first generation doesn't actually exist anymore or is dead or is not in the courtroom theory. Uh, so I'm glomming onto it. Uh, I don't you, know if you've changed you can, your mind. Maybe you I'll can just have be... that one because, yeah, I don't think that one's real anymore. <laughs> Maybe I'll just be your echo. <laughs> I'll just be the echo of Caleb. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, the Chandra. Uh, are going to unite behind Vin, maybe write a new contract. That'd be interesting. Um, people were stunned into silence. I think this is something they hadn't considered yet or before or at all. So maybe they're considering it now. Um, they are also uh, of preservation and thus the mists. Great. Um, and I think that they're going to fight against ruin to protect the land. Because ruin and preservation seem to be diametrically opposed. At least in name, certainly. Yes. So, uh, well, and he's even like uh, uh, Ten Soon says it to Vin. He's like, you are of ruin, we are of preservation. So we already know, at least dogmatically, they're of preservation. But we're, we've been taking some stuff literally. You know, we went Guardians of the Galaxy. God exists, so... In, <laughs> You know, <laughs> I don't know. Vin would never sign a new contract with the Chandra because that would require her to actually read the contract that she signed with the Chandra. Oh, yeah, yeah you know. someone has to capable of that. Someone has to <laughs> sign the contract and and then die and say this contract goes to Vin. That's the only way she can get a contract. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's literally what's happening here. I know. Well, that's what happened with Kelsier. <laughs> exactly uh, but that's what's what's funny is the parallel because that's literally what Tensoon is arguing it's the Kelsier sure. argument um all right so uh let me see uh I, there's not a lot to take from Fedric City or Erto we have preliminary scouting reports we have Set's general impression um I don't have enough information to make a prediction yet. Uh, but I think it's going to be a slog because Urto and Fadric City both have front-of-book maps. So I don't think it's going to be a one-and-done, in-and-out, 20-minute adventure thing. Um, so we'll see how that all goes. Uh, all right. Uh, now uh, let's get into it. The mists. Okay, you brought up the mist last time. I did. Let's get into the mists. I'm not asking you to join this. Okay. Like I won't. you asked me to join this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I want to talk about the mists because you talked about the mists and it made me think about the mists. So uh, <laughs> the echo continues. The echo does continue. The echo moves on. Um, the hum goes on forever. Uh, now, uh, before I begin. Let's again mention that moving Skadriel closer to the sun to get rid of the mists is the dumbest fucking idea in the history of the planet, literally. Uh, but all right. <laughs> I, I want to fix the problem now. Okay. You, you go, Rashik. He only had um, three seconds to do anything, so he kind of had to fix the problem he now. He had not to at all. <laughs> let, let me do this. Wait, shit. No. Uh. <laughs> that seems to be how it went. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so I want to talk about Year Zero. Uh, Justin's going to fight me because Year Zero, in my mind, is the second best concept album in the history of concept albums. Uh, and Scenes from a Memory, I'm putting at number three. Okay, so. we will have that battle later. <laughs> but uh, there you go. Um, it's also set in 2022, so there's that. Um if you don't know the story of Year Zero, there's a lot. Uh, basically, uh, America bad, um, America worse, <laughs> Shit, and <man>. then, <laughs> and then uh, God comes down from the sky and wipes everything out. Uh, so, uh, speaking of coming down from the sky, uh, it reminds me of the mists. I'm now realizing uh, there was something they reminded me of, and it never quite struck me. They remind me of the presence. Um, so like I said, year zero has a long story. Uh, it kind of ends with the presence. Um, uh, the cover art of the album gives you an idea of what the presence looks like. It's a hand coming down from the sky. People start seeing it. They don't know what's going on. Uh, I'll keep getting into it later. Uh, it brings about the end of the human race. So, um, picturing the mists as the presence is fun for me. So there you go. Uh, it's also a better way to imagine how dangerous they are in my mind. So I'm doing it. Uh, okay. So there you go. Um, back to actual predictions briefly. Um, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. It's fine. I've had two cups of coffee. Uh, <laughs> I said last time that the mists are preservation. Um, this is strange because it's not really doing anything preservation-y. It's killing everything by that making a bit it of a dark. contradiction there um also uh interesting is marsh and co ostensibly well marsh and inquisitors in general are ostensibly servants of ruin and can ostensibly be in the mists because marsh is in them right now i believe yeah that doesn't seem to be too much of a problem for for him yeah um so if, if preservation and ruin are against each other wouldn't they, at the very least, kind of kill each other's creations? Um, if you're looking for an answer for that, I don't have one. Sorry. Uh, so, there you go. Uh, now, um, back to the presence. Here's the larger plan for preservation, I think, and for the presence. Um, step one, show up. Be spooky. Mission accomplished. Check. Uh, step two, kill some folks to establish direct danger. Check. check that one too check <laughs> uh step three uh take over the landscape kill all the plants and to quote uh trent Reznor, wipe this place clean seems We're to be in progress in progress in yeah. progress <laughs> uh step four to again quote uh trent Reznor, blow out the stars like candles which is the darkness Te of the deepness Te technically already checked i believe Most oh that's true because of the volcanoes and all that but uh but yeah uh working on on whatever uh and then step five uh the blood stars like candles is kind of like a question mark so step five is world preserved exclamation point um <laughs> i don't know how that preserves the world but that seems to be the general plan of preservation um turns out most gods don't give a shit about humans um <laughs> I'm assuming preservation is kind of the same. Uh, 
just kind of wants the world to be left how it wants. They're kind of so different scales, aren't they? Yeah. D different measures of success. Right. Stop ruining my world or I'll wipe you out forever. Um, <laughs> so in this case, preservation appears to be trying to make the world a better place for Kondra and Kolos. Uh, Kolos apparently don't need to eat anything of health value to to survive. They need to eat stuff. I don't know. Relatable. Uh, yeah. For me, it's frozen pizza. Um, Chandra are likewise scavengers, but prefer corpses, which there will be ample of in the new world for a while. Uh, so, um, anyway, that was a random ramble. The point is, uh, I'm, I'm casting the mists as preservation. And I'm, I'm glomming on to the concept of preservation wants to wipe out life so that the Chandra and Kolos can survive better. So there you go. Okay. Um, and then my, my last little bit. Uh, if ruin and preservation are opposed, then why are the Kolos on the side of the Inquisitors? I mean, first of all, obviously, we have the answer to this. Uh, Alamancy. But that seems like it kind of goes against Ruin's plot a little. Um, so, uh, I don't have an answer. <laughs> but I want to put a pin in it as something that I'm going to consider because it's interesting and strange. So there you go. That does seem uh, worth pinning. All right. Uh, I, like, uh, I like theories that we can come back to as we go. Uh, and I think your comparison to year zero will be a good one for that. We shall find out. All right. All then. right. I can get Caleb, started. You're up to bat. All right. Um, uh, okay. So this is one, this is a theory that I had last time and I just forgot to bring it up and it's pretty inconsequential, but it would just be a fun little, Oh, okay. That all checks out. Um, we know that the Contra live underground because they talk about they talk about how there's no light coming in, and they do mention the world above. So it's pretty seems pretty clear that they're living in like a cave system deep beneath the earth. Um, I don't know if this will end up happening, but it would be kind of fun if the uh, um, hideout caves from Final Empire were actually like left over from like a Contra civilization, and they like abandoned that specific tunnel system. Because I think it is mentioned, they just kind of found the tunnels, and they're right, very right. convenient for like living in. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that'll end up being connected in any way, but that would be kind of fun. Um, a, a question that is directly posed by Tensoon: Why does Conpar want to wait a month before sentencing? What's up with that? Um, and uh. It made me wonder, is Conpar... Conpar clearly has some kind of game plan, as you said, Justin. But what could it be? I'm curious if Ruin has already gotten to the second generation and is kind of pulling the strings with them there in some way. Um, and so my guess is, because, again, why would Brandon bring this up unless it was going to be relevant in some way? And I don't know how Conpar was convinced this would be a good idea, but I think Conpar is waiting for something to happen that will invoke the mass suicide rule. And for some reason he can't, he doesn't want to kill off Tensoon before then, but there's, I think he and, I think Kanpar and Ruin are linked in some way. And I think part of the plan is 
well, we got to wait for a little bit. And then once something happens and one part of the plan comes into play, then we can, we can do, we can do, we can invoke that part of the contract. Um, because I don't know, that just seemed evil. And Conpar is clearly not a super good guy. So not going to get any argument from me on that one. Yeah. He's a dick. Um, so yeah, just just kind of, I'm waiting to see when we get more dots, but I'm seeing how they might connect. I'm like, I'm, I'm gently tracing a line where I think they're going to connect. And we're going to see if there are some other dots on the way that will fall into line with that line that I've sketched out. Um, one key question that we haven't really asked yet is if the well of Ascension takes a thousand years to rejuvenate, and the epigraph writer knows Ellen and Marsh, and also um, is in the like has the powers of the Well of Ascension. The first couple epigraphs definitely suggest that they have become this godlike being. How 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 does that how does that work? We just use the powers, so do we have to wait another thousand years or what? Um, that is a good point. Yeah. Uh, what I actually think is going to, there's a chance that it has to be someone who could live for a thousand years. Um, but the other solution possibly is that I, I think I, I, my, my initial theory in episode zero was defeat ruin first, then figure out a way to deal with the mists. And there's a chance that defeating ruin just makes the powers come back immediately because he's presumably the one who got the powers because Vin released the powers and that let him escape. So Maybe that's what it is, is once you defeat Ruin, then someone else gets the powers again. Um, but uh, yeah, just worth asking. It, it's been established that it takes a thousand years to rejuvenate. And here we have an epigraph writer who is using the powers and also is fairly contemporary with the main story. So mm-hmm. interesting to think well, about. Well, clearly it must be Lord Hammond who will never die. That's true. Hammond will oh, be able to it. take care of that in a thousand years if we absolutely have to. Um but uh, that would be too obvious. So I'm thinking it might be something else. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of other questions. Um, I think what's actually going to happen, I have a couple of theories here and they're kind of, they're a little bit incongruous. They could both happen, but also it would probably make more sense if only one of them happens. Um, but there's no way the last cache is going to have Adium. We're, we're pretty sure, uh, Sam and I are pretty sure on that. I do think it's going to have another one of those alimantic nuggets that's going to be the last thing we have because we haven't seen the lord ruler talk about it at all and that's some key insight into things he has discovered um so it would make sense if he's like here my greatest treasure and ben and ellen are like okay well that doesn't help us at all we already like that gives us one extra guy (laughs) right um, who can who can this is not the right scale of problem solving at this point Right. Um, and then uh, and then, kind of as a counterpoint to that theory, these could both happen. Um, but the interesting thing is that Reen came back. And for a while, Reen was speaking like Reen always has, of just being this voice of anxiety and don't trust anyone, don't be like that. Um, and um, so there's all of that. And then there's one strange moment where everyone's kind of talking about the caches and then Reen whispers the Adium and Vin goes, yes, the Adium. That's what I wanted to talk about, which is 
not really how Reen usually operates. He doesn't usually, like, contribute to the plan, um, which is kind of weird. It's a little weird that Reen spoke up about that. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous that that might not be Reen. We've certainly met one other being that can just speak voices in your head. Um, and I think Ruin might be pulling a couple strings that we didn't even know about. Now, it seems odd at first because I've been all in on the idea of you need a spike in your chest to be able to speak to Ruin, uh, because that's how Zane was able to, but... Ruin also got released from his prison and likely has more power now than he did before. So I think it's still probably true that he can't read people's thoughts, but he still might be able to talk to them, even if they can't telepathically talk back. Um, so I think Ruin might be up to no good. And every time Reen pops up from here on out, I'm going to be looking suspiciously at what's going on with, with the voice in Vin's head. Um... <laughs> And with that in mind, why would the voice in Vin's head want her to focus on the Adium? I think it's clear that Ruin is kind of in a holding pattern right now, waiting for certain things to fall in place. I don't know exactly why, but I think Ruin also needs some Adium. And he is hoping that uh, Vin can find it for him and is waiting for them to um, take care of things. And once they find it... Then he'll walk in and be, well, maybe not walk in because he's just kind of a voice. He's still kind of a voice. We don't have like a physical manifestation of him yet that we've seen. <laughs> um, but he will appear and go, haha, you have helped me fulfill my plan because we finally found it. Will that happen in Fadric City? Will that happen somewhere else because they don't find the Adium there and they have to go to like one last location, find it there? There's a lot of book left. So I think both theories could be true. If they get to Fadric City, it's not there. They have to keep looking, but eventually they do find it. Um, or it could just be, wow, Vin was actually right. The Adium is in Fadric City all along. Also, now Ruin has it, and we've made things worse. Um, so I think that's that's on the table of things that might happen. Um, we get mention of earthquakes. There's a lot of earthquakes happening. You yeah, know what? That's worrying. You know what tectonic feature earthquakes are often tied to? Volcanoes. Is it perhaps so I feel a volcanic like, eruption? I feel like Brandon is pointing at the sign going, Volcano fights inbound. It's coming. It's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I have my my hopes and dreams. Um, the, the main characters, the main council is somewhat near Tyrion, if this map can be trusted anymore, but I don't know if it can. Um, or wait, no. <laughs> the map could always be trusted. It was, the, it was in text that was messing it up. Um, but... Uh, they're kind of near Tyrion, and then Marsh is up in the north and uh, appears to maybe be near Toronost. There's also plenty of time for people to move around more than that, um, but I'm keeping track of, as characters get closer to Ashmounts, if they might have to end up taking a brief detour to go have a volcano fight. Um, so, as you do. Uh, Check that off the to-do list. Yes. Um, so that's my, that's my hope and dream is that the earthquakes are tied to a volcano because someone has to go to a volcano at some point. Maybe that's where the adium is. It's being hidden in the volcanoes. Um, there's, there's a non-zero chance. That wasn't really a joke. There's non-zero chance. That's what that is. Ah, pencil that in. That's a new theory I have. Um. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll add it to the books. Well, they have to go to the volcano for some reason. So maybe that's why. Well, we've had the volcanoes on the maps for three books now. The volcanoes have to be important. So, 
yeah, those are my thoughts on that. And then one last thing. Um, there's been some talk about, you know, will the epigraphs have a twist? Um, I think the epi- there is a plot twist happening with the epigraphs, and the twist is that it's Sazed. I feel like I it seems obvious now that the theory has been proposed so early on, but I did have to put a lot of work in to uh, come up with my theory in episode one, and I feel like it maybe is not as obvious to the average reader as it was to me who paused the book to go back and look at 47 different epigraphs to see where the clues are pointing to. Um, so I do still think it's Sazed, but I do think that maybe we just have happened to guess something much earlier on than we usually do. And if we didn't have that guess in the back of our brains, it would not seem as obvious as it does to us now. Um, so I think it's Sazed, and I'm very excited if that ends up being right, because I think there's been some good foreshadowing to it that my attack on Titan Brain notwithstanding, I don't think is actually that obvious. Um, so yeah, I'm still on that boat, but um, I I think it'll be fun when that happens. Uh, rather than tedious and obvious. I was going to say, I was going to bring up earlier that when I first read this trilogy, I read it uh, blindingly fast. (laughs) I did not stop for much analysis or prediction. And by this point in the book, I was like, okay, it's Vin, right? It's, it's, that's, it's the hero of ages. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, we did think it was Vin for two whole books, and here we are with the book, looking at the book Hero of Ages, and Vin is on the cover still. Um, right. I yeah, I don't think it's obvious that it says it. I think I there's just very small, subtle clues, and I have picked up on a lot of them, and that's what helped me formulate my theory. But I don't think to the average reader, every single one of them is reading the epigraphs and going, obviously says it. It has to be. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, I still think that's the case, but I don't think it's necessarily going to feel boring when if it comes true. Uh, that's how I'm feeling. That being said, in terms of more clues, um, what, Brandon, why would you have Sazed uh, shaving his head? Could it be because his hair is white and you don't want to bring that up because that would be a, a, a big clue? You want to hide that? Maybe at one point Sazed will stop shaving and it'll be like, wow, my hair is a lot whiter than it used to be. Um because as a reminder, one of the epigraphs does say that Alendi's hair also turned white at a young age. And that was one of the reasons Quan thought he might be a hero of ages. Um, yeah, that's all I have on that. I am also all in on Sazed being the epigraph writer, and I am excited about it. Yay. <laughs> all right, then. I like where we are leaving this off, then. I'm feeling feeling strong, feeling confident, feeling, feeling ready confident. for part two. Cloth and <laughs> cloth and glass is it? Cloth, yes. and, cloth glass and glass is part two. Mm. I do have I do actually have another mini theory about that if I'm allowed to share it already. I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, I feel like for one thing, I could be making this up, but that middle symbol on the page there, I don't know if I've actually seen that particular allomantic symbol before. Um, the other ones look very familiar, but that middle one is is strange. Um, but anyways, um, the word cloth and the words cloth and glass make me think that this chapter will be focused on both diplomacy and war, and that's kind of what the meaning of the part is. Is a cloth is says it in uh, 
did they clarify Breeze is also going to be there? Saves its crew heading up to Erto to try and take care of things diplomatically. And then glass representing daggers and weapons and war, and that will be representative of the siege on Fadric City. Okay. Hmm. It's the symbol is not in the quick reference chart. Unless I'm blind. I'm going to answer We've that got, question for myself with a more complete chart if I can. We got Electrum, <laughs> we got gold. Left is gold, right is Electrum, middle is not in the back of the book. It might be just a part of the steel alphabet. I assume it is, but it's just yeah. interesting to me. I have been looking at these symbols, um, and I saw one that was like, okay. I don't know if I've seen that one yet. It's been two books, and I haven't seen that. Hmm. Okay, so I have confirmed what the symbol is. Let me look. What are the alphabetic meanings of the other two and not the alimantic ones? Yeah, if it's just C-A-G, that's going to be slightly a slight <laughs> bummer if I feel like I've discovered something and it's just, well, you've just never seen a word that starts with A before in the part titles. All right, so I... Yeah, I don't know exactly why those letters were chosen. Uh, it does appear like I'm going to ponder that myself. Maybe I'll have an update for next time. But uh, <laughs> the y there, there is no elementic metal meaning to the that particular choice. I can tell you that. Interesting. Also, cloth and glass are regenerating static electricity. We're doing some science here. We're going to bring uh, <laughs> bring this world into the modern era. Yeah. We're doing a, doing a middle school science project. The plot twist is that Era 2 takes place a year after Hero of Asia's ends. Okay, so uh, heading on to the next part of our book. Uh, also, I remembered, because uh, I, I had forgotten about this while we were recording a, a previous episode. Uh, one of the blind shot in the, in the dark predictions uh, was that Penrod will make his reappearance in the book in chapter 15 and that is why i put an x on our spreadsheet next oh. to chapter 15 that's the only reason why but with uh with us moving into part two like i said the chapters are getting smaller the sections that we're reading are getting bigger uh we're doing chapters 14 through 20 uh for our next episode which will include chapter 15 that may or may not feature lord penrod hmm. so uh with all that being said uh, I'm going to tell everyone that uh, our show is available on alwaysanotherpodcast.com. We are uh, we are contactable at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. We very much love uh, hearing from folks in that way. Uh, we can also be found uh, on the internet in general at alwaysanotherpod on Twitter and at alwaysanotherpod on Instagram with uh, Beth and Caleb respectively getting those in the works other than that and we are not on pinterest yet we are not, not on yet. pinterest i can confirm nor are we on linkedin not yet no don't follow the linkedin account <laughs> it's not us it's imposters <laughs> it's a conjure of imposter <laughs> no all right uh yeah, with, with the social media networks that you can and can't find us on, I think that is where we're going to draw our episode to a close. Uh, we will see everyone in the, the next episode. 
having begun part two, having some more to talk about in that respect. Uh, but we'll see you all, all later. In Hammond's name, we will see you next week. Next week. And, and with your Hammond. <laughs>